What's up, everyone? It's the Lob, the Jam, the podcast. I'm Japan coming to you as always with Rob. How you doing, Rob? I'm doing pretty well. I just very much enjoyed watching the Raptors getting beat down by the Bucks. Uh, good to see those Kawhi free agency hopes go up maybe a little bit, though. At this point, who knows? But I'm doing well. I hope you feel a little bit better than you did a few days ago when that game winner. I know you weren't the happiest about that. No, I was very upset. <laughs> I'm also I'm also happy seeing Kawhi being sad uh, as much as I can as a Raptor. We're also here with a very special guest, Steve Perrin, who uh, is founder of Clips Nation many years ago. 2006, was it, Steve? It was indeed 2006, yes. Yes, and we are here with Steve, and we're going to talk a lot about Clips Nation and the days where he was pretty much the only one writing for so many years on Clips Nation before kind of giving a few other people some leeway and then eventually, you know, leading into what Clips Nation pretty much is today. But we're going to talk about Steve, how it was covering the Clippers way back when, when we really weren't particularly prominent to now where we are particularly prominent. And Steve, um, Steve had been writing for us even the year, a a bit of time after he gave the reins a little bit to Lucas but a lot to talk about with Steve. And Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Can, can I just say that the, the, the complete and utter like insanity of basketball fans, you two are both happy to see Kawhi Leonard sad because it <laughs> makes you happy because yeah. it changes the chances of Kawhi going to the Clippers by like one one millionth of one percent. It is just so insane the way basketball fans think, right? It's it's crazy. It's crazy, guys. I am absolutely rooting for Kawhi Leonard's sadness right now. I I, I hate to say it. It's absolutely it's absolutely what I'm doing when I see him. Kind of, you know, it's really hard to find a picture of his face looking sad because it's usually just his face all the time. So, any anything that I can extrapolate of him being kind of sad and thinking about the Clippers, maybe deep, deep, deep in his psyche, I will take. So, yes, it is it is weird. Yeah. It's crazy, but I do it too. I'm doing it too. I promise I'm doing it too. I just, I just don't say it out loud. It's, you guys sound like, you know, kind of, you're kind of assholes really, you know, I'm, I'm, kind, of, Kawhi- I'm kind of an asshole, Steve. Yeah. That's what it seems like. You know, I really want Kawhi to be sad right now because it would make me marginally happier. That's not right. That's not nice. Don't do that. Uh, I, I, I love it. Rob, are you also an asshole? Uh, yes, but I, I feel even worse because of how much interaction I have with Raptors fans and media people uh, <laughs> who are all very nice and good people and, you know, would be very disheartened by Kawhi leaving. So I probably feel even worse about it. Um, but I actually had some interactions with them today. And, you know, they said if if he were to go anywhere, they'd want it to be the Clippers. So I think, you know, there's they were always kind of, you know, Lob City East or North or whatever. Um, so there's still some lingering, you know, fondness there. And yeah, I, I really, I honestly don't want him to leave if, if it was for anybody else but the Clippers. Uh, that team is really good. They're really fun. I obviously don't want Kawhi to be sad just as a general rule. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is now. And the way free agency is with these guys choosing where they're going and, and how much power they have, you kind of just have to root for whatever thing might sway them even a little bit, even if it's just an extra 10 point loss to the Bucks or whatever. It, it is very crazy though. We kind of need a late spring snowstorm in Toronto. That's what we're really rooting for. We need the weather to be oh, terrible. Yeah. yeah. yeah that would be awesome. 
And in fairness, I don't really root for anybody's legitimate sadness. It's just basketball sadness, except for Derrick Rose. I want him to be legitimately sad. I hope he's sad today after not being picked for uh, most improved player or six man of the year. Yeah. But uh, aside from Derrick Rose, uh, nobody I really want to be legitimately sad. You know, I, Avery Bradley. <laughs> Avery Bradley also would be an exception, but maybe just for a couple of years. What? Well, are we, are we, we, we're Avery Bradley haters now? I don't pay that much attention anymore. Oh, Steve. We are? <laughs> yes. Why? I, I am, I am, I have a vast, you, you watched the Clippers this year, right, Steve? Avery Bradley, come on. You think he was happy to miss every shot he took? He wasn't happy. <laughs> was he not he happy? Hard. You know, he went to, Mem- he went to Memphis and said he wasn't utilized properly, Steve. As a clipper. Well, I, I believe he, they put him on the floor. I remember him being out there some. <laughs> right, he um, he, the basketball landed in his hands sometimes. Did, did they give him different rims in Los Angeles? Was that his problem? Was <laughs> that his utilization problem? I'm, God, I'm that guy. But no, I don't, I don't have a huge problem with Avery Bradley, but I'm, I'm out of the loop now. I'm, I'm, not like, I'm, like, I'm not obsessed with that day-to-day stuff anymore, so I can just let Avery Bradley be. I can, I can say, hey, I bet, you're, I bet you're a nice guy. Haven't talked to you, but I bet you're okay. Rob and I aren't so sure that Avery Bradley is a nice guy. So well, There was a very quiet sexual assault thing with him. <laughs> yeah. um, he paid, he paid the, um, there was a settlement, and he paid uh, the accuser. So, you know, we don't really know what happens, if it was true or not. But that never makes me feel, you know, super positively, you know, even if it was a false accusation, whatever. Um, just not a guy who I really want to see on the Clippers, oh, any sort of that stuff around. But yeah, I mean, on, on the day-to-day, I think he was actually very well-liked in the locker room. Um, so yeah, I mean, who can, who can really say? But that was definitely kind of a sour spot. Um, I didn't really want to write about it cause, just because – like nothing about the case really happened. They just paid out. There was a. I didn't. Article. I didn't. I didn't even know about that. Well, that's oh, no. That was the reason for my initial dislike. It wasn't his bricking jumpers. It was that. Oh boy. Um, but yeah, you know, it's. I don't think it's a huge deal, and you know, it was a couple years ago. But anyway, yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't say hate. Hate is a very strong word. I think I. I probably agree with Shap that just Derrick Rose and everything about Derrick Rose just is is awful. Um, and whole stuff surrounding him but anyway we're, we're drifting off topic <laughs> as we're tending to do uh, on this podcast but Steve so when did you start what what is your association with the Los Angeles Clippers from the beginning when did you start rooting for this team so I think it was probably the day that they traded Danny Ferry for Ron Harper wow which would have been I don't know about 79 and then the and then the um the playoff the the back-to-back playoff seasons where when Larry Brown was coach um early 80s uh I enjoyed wait do I have that right yeah right was it was it 80s or 90s for Larry 90s Brown? early 90s I'm, yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah sorry I was a decade off there wasn't I <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was way off. Well, off. Um, yeah, so ninety two, ninety three. Um, so those teams, um, you know, I really liked, and then of course it all, you know, it all went to hell again. But I'd, I was already hooked at that point. So, um, so yeah, I've been following them for a long time. Man, that yeah. is that is a while. So, you know, I think me and Rob probably are more of 
early O's type of guys. Uh, were there, was there a favorite team you had in like the eighties or nineties that, that kind of stood out? Well, it's hard not to love that, you know, that Darius Miles, Lamar Odom, Quentin Richardson. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that group, um, you know, the, there's a play from what's at the final game of the season where Sean Rooks gets the rebound and throws the 70 foot pass to Lamar who midair throws the no look lob to was it Darius. And it's just like that, that team, that play sort of encapsulated that team and everything was pointing towards a great season, the next season. And then Andre Miller, who I truly hate. I truly hate Andre Miller. Oh yeah. 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 Andre Miller just killed that entire vibe, right? You know, and, mm-hmm. and on paper that trade looked brilliant, right? That was like, oh, that's the missing piece, right? And and mm-hmm. Andre Miller just came in and didn't want to be here, didn't want to play anyway. So the but that first that that team was a two thousand something like that. I think that, yeah, two thousand one, two thousand two maybe it was a thirty nine forty three team that just okay. missed the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. That team was that team was a lot of fun, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, gosh, um, oh, now I'm blanking on his name. The little point, Keon Dooling, mm-hmm. Keon Dooling, what a fun player he was. I mean, he had some dunks that season. People forget, mm-hmm. he dunked on Matumbo. He, you know, he was fun. Like that whole team that was young. It was it was together. They were, you know, they were they were they were. That was a fun, fun, fun team for sure. Yep, and yep. overachieved to, to win those 39 games and everything was looking up anyway. But it's been, you know, it's been a roller coaster. Um, so uh, that was probably my favorite team. And obviously going back to, to um, you know, the, the Manning teams. Um, I loved uh, John Williams on that team. Uh, you know, he was, you guys remember, do you know John Williams? Do you remember John Williams at all? Is this before your time? No, it's before, this is before me. Rob, do you know John Williams? way before me yeah <laughs> so, so i'll i'll tell every like the the old timers out there john williams there were two john williams in the league at the time and one was called john hot rod williams and he was this this sort of long lean uh forward and the other john williams weighed a good 320 um he was <laughs> huge uh and they and and so here the name john hot plate williams um but he was this guy he was a point power forward incredible passer like just an incredible passer um and all these skills for a guy that was you know six eight three twenty um it was just a funny 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 weird player mm-hmm. he had a few good years in in indy and then he ended up with the clippers and he just when he was in when he was in okay shape he could play basketball and then he'd get bigger and bigger and he couldn't play basketball anymore and his knees went and and so he had like he had like a half a season in in la where he was really good and then just never really did it again so that that was an interesting clipper from the past Hmm. does he have like a does he have like a clipper comp or a comp that you would from like a recent player uh no i mean like there aren't there are not many guys like him in in the history of the league he was he was one of the best passers I've ever seen. Like just, just a feel for the game that, that just very few guys. He was like the guy at the YMCA or at the yeah. rec league that you think can't play at all. 
and, mm-hmm. then, and then it goes out there and he's just better than everybody else. He was that guy on an NBA team. Awesome. Well, Steve, how did you come about starting to write for the Clippers, the idea of writing about the team, even maybe before you started writing for Clips Nation? Did you, did you start thinking, hey, I, could, I have, I have an in- inclination to write. Maybe I should talk about this team. Nobody's talking about them. Like, when did that even idea come about? Well, basically, I was a stay-at-home dad in 2006, and I had uh, recently, well, rather recently, comparatively, um, I had quit a uh, a job in 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 the tech industry, and uh, and so I had this huge interest in basketball, and I had the, I had time on my hands. My kids had gotten a little bit older, and they were. They were at school and I had time to write. And I was writing like long emails to my friends about the Clippers. I was like, you know, you got to watch this Clippers team. They're going to be good. They're going to be really good. And, and I was just, you know, I was just writing essentially blog posts that I sent to four guys who didn't, who didn't care. They didn't give a shit. Right. I mean, they weren't Clippers fans. Um, and, and then So, you know, then I was like, someone said, hey, do you know about these things called blogs? I was like, (laughs) what is is this sorcery you speak of? And, you know, it's 2006. It's not like it was the first blog, but that was pretty early in the in the blogosphere's history. Uh, And so uh, actually, my wife at the time and I started like hacking some some stuff together to try to make a blog. And then we looked around and said, oh, look, here's all this free stuff. So, you know, we started actually trying to make something and then we realized that there was free software out there. So I just sat down and started writing. It was, it was shockingly easy. Um, and at first I was just writing, you know, it was just, it was, I was writing these emails anyway. I just started writing stuff and putting it out and making it accessible. And again, this is 2006, you know, everybody does this in a million different ways now, but in 2006, it was pretty unusual. Um, and a few people found me and it was actually during the off season that, that SB nation, the, the predecessor of, of Vox, uh, found when they were trying to build out their NBA presence and they found my site. And, uh, so it was only about four months between, wow. uh, yeah, I think it was, it was made of September between when I first started writing the blog and when. I joined the SB Nation network. So I think that kind of gives you an idea of like how rampant Clipper coverage was. <laughs> so from, from when you started writing about the team, like how, how was the quote unquote media around the Clippers? I mean, that was a good year that if it was the 06 year, that was the year we went to the playoffs and everything. And I say use right. the Royal, I use the Royal we of course, but that was, that was a good Clipper year. That was the Sam Cassell, Elton Brand, Chris Kamen team. Yep. Um, and uh, and I literally started writing between the Nuggets series that the Clippers won and the Sun series of the second round. So I started mm-hmm. writing uh, while the Lakers Sun series was still going on before that one had completed. That was my sure. first blog. Mm-hmm. Those were my first blog posts. And Kevin Arnovitz Clipper blog started in April 2006. Wow. So there's there's a little weird little history there. Kevin started writing Clipper blog a month before I started writing Clips Nation. Um and you know 
the LA Times had a beat writer. And that was it. That was, it was me and Kevin and the beat writer for the LA Times, basically. Did you have any, any like crossover? Did you talk to Kevin or anybody just by covering the team at all? Or did that ever happen? I met Kevin really early. Kevin and I uh, actually are quite friendly. I mean, I, I, we don't really see each other much anymore. Uh, but uh, I met Kevin very early, probably that first season. We, we, uh, we made a point to, to talk to each other and to meet each other. Um, uh, gosh, the guy who used to, Dan Wojcicki from the, from mm. the OC Register. Um, I was always friendly with Dan. Um, but a lot of them, you know, not so much. I mean, the, I, I certainly ran into everybody, uh, but I tended to keep to myself a little bit. What's your, what's your opinion on Daniel Ewing while we're talking about that team? <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know what? <clears throat> that play is not his fault. It's not. His it's, fault. it's not. It's Dunleavy's fault. It's Dunleavy's fault. What are you doing putting in a guy that – what are you doing putting in a guy that hasn't played the whole game? But what's also and, your your general take of Daniel Ewing? Because I feel like some Clipper fans from that – Rob, do you remember that team? So that team was actually when I first started not even following the Clippers, but like really hearing about them. So I grew up um, in L.A. and then I moved to Massachusetts briefly. And I liked the NBA. I watched games and stuff, but I wouldn't say I was a fan of any team. Mm-hmm. And if anything, I was actually a fan of the Timberwolves. Kevin Garnett was my favorite player uh, right. growing up. And that was the first year, like, the Clippers even kind of entered my conscious. I was <laughs> 12 at the time. Um, and, I mean, they got a fair amount of what I considered press at the time. Like, I wasn't reading newspapers or blogs. There was, like, people just talking about them at the schoolyard. And people loved Sam Cassell. Um, you know, Corey Maggette was was kind of popular at the time. Elton Brand certainly was one of the best big men in the game. So that's really when I first started hearing about them. I wouldn't say I was a fan, but I do remember that team. And I have some vague memories of the infamous um, Daniel Ewing play. But I can't say I have much more than that. So to set the scene a little bit, I remember that game very well. I was a Clipper, a pretty big Clipper fan at that time. I I followed the Clippers through the Darius Miles years too. And that's kind of when I fell in love with the team. Uh, But then that team was, you know, very good and uh, made the playoffs. Sam Cassell had an, had an eight second violation uh, and like a minute before everything started happening. And then Cassell also missed a free throw, which would have put put us up four and sealed the game. And then, and then Raja Bell got the, got the shot in the corner and was fairly contested, but hit the shot and everybody kind of hates on Daniel Ewing for that play. But my bigger question is people's impression of Daniel Ewing as a player on that team. has always been a little bit polarizing. Steve, your, your general thoughts on Daniel Ewing and his Clipper, uh, his Clipper persona. Uh, Daniel Ewing. I have no opinion on Daniel Ewing guys. He's, <laughs> really I mean he was in he was on the floor for a very heartbreaking play for us but it just really he didn't have much of a Clippers career let's be clear no, he, didn't. Yeah. he was he's just not really in 2019 I'm not spending a lot of cycles on Daniel Ewing honestly that's fair I mean he still played like he still played like a good amount of minutes a game considering he was kind of like a defense defensive type of stopper guy he played probably like what 
13 or 15 minutes a game, like kind of, kind of a bit of minute, kind of few minutes a game. And he was just kind of an interesting person on that team. That team was a lot of fun. Daniel Ewing probably shouldn't be getting his own little segment. He's still playing professional basketball in Italy. He's 36. Not come on. Really? 36. Good for him. Honestly. I I don't know. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, yeah, but uh, enough Daniel. <laughs> enough Daniel Ewing. That was that was a really fun team. Elton Brand was a top five MVP candidate. He was I, fantastic. The amount of time we've spent on John Williams and Daniel Ewing in this discussion. <laughs> it's a deep this, cuts, man. This is not where this is not where I thought this was going. <laughs> this is some deep cuts, but that was a fun team. Uh, you know, Cassell. That was one of Sean. That was when Sean Livingston looked like the, the ceiling was just beyond uh, belief for him. Uh, so promising um Cassell Brand Mobley uh just a just a really a really fun team Maggetti off the bench it's just a really talented team really what's kind of caught under the wayside was that that team would have you know I really don't know what that team would have done in the next round had they I think the Spurs were were um were was it the Spurs that were in the were in the in the conference finals waiting for them or who was it I'm trying to can't remember. Spurs or Mavs. I mean, so here's the thing about this is the thing that people probably have forgotten in terms of, you know, speaking of deep cuts. The Clippers were were, you know, they ended up in the really, really, really weak side of the bracket. This mm-hmm. was in I think it was only one year, maybe a couple, where the NBA had this insane seating. Yep. Yep, yep. Where, the, where the top three seeds went to the three conference winners, the the or the three division winners rather. So the Nuggets won their division, but had a worse record than the Clippers. Yeah, the Clippers. You remember the Clippers Memphis uh, tank fest at the mm-hmm. end. The mm-hmm. Clippers dropped to six by by losing by playing worse than Memphis in, in a head to head game. They dropped to six. They got Denver in the first round, and they had home court against Denver. Yeah. Right. Because Denver had a worse record. They crushed Denver. Denver wasn't a good team. And then the other two seeds, um, the two seven matchup was Lakers Suns. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, one and four were Dallas and San Antonio. They were by far the two best teams in, in the NBA that year, but they happened to be in the Southeast, the Southwest. Right. So they, one of them got the number one seed. One of them got the number four seed. They're playing each other in the, in the second round. And the Clippers and Suns are nowhere close to them. Yep. So the Clippers had a really good chance to go to the conference finals that year, right? Um, obviously, with the, the Raja Bell three and everything else, they, they, were, they were really right there. But they would have gotten killed by – and I, don't, I honestly don't – I like think it was them. the Mavericks, maybe. I think it was the Mavs. I think yeah. it was the Mavs. Yeah. But they would have gotten crushed. The Mavs were much better than they were. The Grizzlies, by the way, who were who were the the who played the Mavericks, got swept promptly by the Mavericks right. in that first round series. The Mavericks. This yeah. is the year they made the finals and they lost yeah. to Wade. Uh, yeah, yeah. like Fifty million free throws. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. But I think I that would be a good transition from a, a team that's kind of was a favorite of a lot of Clippers fans um, into this year's team, which for almost every Clippers fan, probably under the age of twenty. Um, maybe even older is their favorite Clippers team. Even some really old time Clippers fans, uh, this year was their favorite team. Um, you know, how does this team kind of stack up to those teams in terms of likability, in terms of fun? 
Um, obviously, they didn't have a player as good as Elton Brand. I don't know if they had quite just the sheer on-court charisma of Darius Miles and, you know, Quentin Richardson. But, I mean, where does this team rank for you in terms of just fun Clippers teams? Well, honestly, when, when Chap asked me about favorite teams, I was thinking, you know, historical. This, this certainly, this season was the most fun I've had with the Clippers in years and years and years. And it might be, you know, it's in the conversation for my favorite Clippers team of all time. Um, and, it, and a big part of it is that they won games that they had no business winning. They won games they should never have won. They just never, ever, ever gave up. It's such a cliche to say, oh, there's no quitting this team. Oh, they, you know, you know, this team's going to keep trying. They're, 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 they don't, they're never going to, they're never going to stop trying. And Ralph said it a hundred times this year, but he was right. I mean, that, that was the thing about this team. They just never stopped playing hard. And, and in an 82 game season, that happens all the time. Teams just can't play hard the whole time. But this Clippers team did. They had no business being in there. And, and after, the, after the Tobias Harris trade, you know, I just – I was like, oh, well, it's a good trade. It's a really good trade. Too bad we're not going to make the playoffs. And then they just kept playing hard. You know, what in the world was that team doing on the court with the Golden State Warriors? They're just not the same talent level. And then they go out and win two games. Just crazy. Just a crazy team. And obviously Lou Harris is – Lou Harris, Lou Williams. <laughs> I got Toby and, and Lou somehow mixed up. Obviously Lou Williams is a scorer like, you know, like no one in the league, right? He, he, he is a scorer with the best of them. So he's, he is special. That, that's for sure. But, you know – where, where, you know, where else are they going on this team? You know, Trez is just working. He's just working his way into every bucket he gets. He's got zero moves. He doesn't have, I have better post moves than Montrez Harrell. He doesn't have <laughs> a move. He's, but he just works his way to, to, to baskets. Um, you know, I, I knew last year that he was going to have an effect on the court. 16 points a game? 16. How in the world did yeah. that happen? How yeah. does that happen? He's got nothing. Um, and, you know, uh, Gallinari's got talent. Gallinari's a unique talent for sure. He's got issues, but he's got talent. And the rest of the team is just solid guys, right? Here you go. Here's, here's another solid guy you can run out there, Doc. And speaking of Doc, wow, what a coaching job. Like, you know, this is the year that, that I really, really, really just said, oh, that guy can coach. I always knew, I always knew he, he, he was a, a good motivator. I always knew that he was a good guy, but that was a coaching job there for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think this is also, this is my favorite Clipper team, which is pretty crazy. Um, and Steve, you were, you were chronicled the Lob City years too. Like, how does how does this team kind of stand up as far as I mean? I I know that this is probably a more likable team, but kind of looking in retrospect now, especially now that we have some years uh, after Lob City, that's when I started writing for Clips Nation too. Uh, around that time, um, what what do you think retrospectively of of the Lob City era? That's a great question. Um, it wasn't as joyous 
as it should have been, right? The expectations came and the team was good. It was solid, but there was always something to sort of, you know, obviously any season that doesn't end in a championship, the fans are going to be disappointed at some level. That's just a given. And I wouldn't say that those teams necessarily underachieved, but it just wasn't, it wasn't joyous. There were always teams that were better than them, even though sometimes they didn't lose to the team that was better than them. They, you know, they should never have lost to the Rockets. Um, the the Thunder series probably makes me more angry than the Rocket series in some ways, um, but but you know it just never happened and it never felt as happy and and carefree and light as it should have. And part of that is Chris Paul as superstar is is a prickly guy. You know he's not he's not he's he's a really interesting case because he's not a bad guy. He's a good guy. Yeah, but he's so intense that it's hard to it's hard for him to, for his teammates to embrace him. It's hard for it's hard for the fans to truly embrace him at that sort of I just love this guy so much. I love what he does. I love how he plays. I love how my team wins more. But at some level, I think you're just like you're still a little reserved about him. You know the 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 I don't know. How do you, am I off base? You guys. Oh, oh no, no. I definitely, I definitely feel the same way. Even while Chris was a Clipper and he was doing all the little things that he still does as a Rocket, all the little kind of, oh, he's such a competitor. That's why he does these kind of shady plays, and he's been doing it since college. Uh, and just complaining to the refs, it's just it wore on me a lot. Him and Blake, uh, particularly. But yeah, I, I think me and Rob agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I think just for an example of what a superstar who's it's it's hard to describe but i'm just gonna say pure um can do for a fan base is look at milwaukee with Giannis. i mean obviously Giannis is also better than chris paul was but in chris paul in his you know even for most of his clippers tenure but especially those first few years was a top three player in the nba probably certainly top five and you know the city just never i mean a lot of that is lakers too but there was just never that sense of just he never felt like he belonged to the Clippers really. Um, and he also, I mean, he came via trade and, and that's different. So there were lots of other factors, but, and when you see what Giannis has done to a Milwaukee Bucks fan base that like couldn't sell out arenas, even like three years ago to now they have thousands of fans just standing around. And it's almost all because of Giannis and how great he is and just how good he is with the fans. They love him. And I don't think Clippers fans ever really loved Chris Paul. I, I completely agree. I and mean, they loved his game. I loved his game. I loved watching him play basketball. I still really like playing, watching him play basketball, which I think at this point puts me in a minority among NBA fans. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was tough to ever love him, uh, which like, as you said, is very contradictory because he seems like such a great guy off the court. I mean, he's, you know, like a longtime leader for the players association, just one of the most respected guys in the NBA, but yeah, I'm prickly, I think is the defining word (laughs) for Chris Paul. Um, Just, you know, a very tough guy to just get along with on the court. And, you know, one of my lasting memories of Lob City will always be DJ, um, you know, screwing up that play at the very end of the game and Paul just immediately eviscerating him. 
Um, You know, just never the type of guy to really build teammates up, just kind of gnaw at them and and wear them down. And I think there were lots of issues on that team chemistry-wise. I think there will be a book or a 30 for 30 or something about that team because they were just so talented. Even now, it's tough to imagine them not making a conference finals. And I know Shap and I have talked about this recently, but watching this Blazers team in the Western Conference Finals is just unbelievable. Like, they're really... I mean, Damian Lillard is amazing, but this team is just not that great. And This team, this team is two good guards and a bunch of guys, right? Yeah. I mean... And it's like... And, yeah, it's just crazy that the Lob City Clippers never made the Western Conference Finals, and this Blazers team is in. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously injuries, you know, injuries were always a big part of it. Um, and... You know, people say, oh, well, that's because they were in these players were injury prone. I mean, a lot of it's just bad freaking luck, right? I mean, there were most of those seasons ended with Blake or Chris or both of them not playing. Um, You know, there were there were the there were the two um, second round losses that that should not have been. But all the other ones were, oh, well, you know, one of these guys is gone. Even the second round losses that happened, I mean, Chris got injured in the Golden State series early on that on that in the game in game one. Chris missed two games against the Rockets because of a hamstring injury that looked like it was gonna wipe out his postseason in game seven against the Spurs. Every every postseason had an injury. It, it's pretty incredible. Even against the Spurs when we got swept, Paul was uh was kind of limping around in the Memphis series because he was hurt. So it, we never really yeah. had a completely healthy Lob City postseason. It's really depressing. <laughs> they were they were pretty healthy against the Thunder that season. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I think they were. I think yeah. they were fully healthy against the Thunder. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean one or one or both of them every postseason. So yeah. Anyway, it's it was an interesting group. It seemed like it should have worked, um, and it just never did. I'll, I'll tell you the other thing that was weird about it. So often that sort of thing, when a team works, it's, it's, it's because, oh, wow, that third guy, that guy really stepped up or that fourth guy or that guy that came out of nowhere. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, the, the only name that comes to mind right now is not a great one out with their series at, at O2, but Pascal Siakam, right? It's, right. it's that guy that you, that nobody had any clue was any good and ends up being a major, major, major factor. The Clippers, did they ever have that guy? I mean, DJ got, got better in his role, got really good in his role under Doc, but they never had anybody that came out of nowhere. Did yeah. they? I can't, I can't think of anybody. No. I mean, Reddick routinely disappeared. Um, oh, geez, Reddick in the playoffs. Come on. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, pretty bad. Even uh, now, even now he's, he's been, even now he doesn't, you know, uh, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think there's also something to take away from the lobster year in terms of the impact it's had on contending teams now and how much more they value their draft picks. When you look at what the Clippers did with their draft picks, the only guy who's still in the NBA from their draft picks from what was it? Like 2011 to 2017 is Reggie Bullock, who's actually a pretty good player. But, I mean, they flipped him for Austin Rivers, which also ended up working out. I mean, I think that's the answer is the closest thing to that guy yeah. who came out of yeah. nowhere. 
was Austin Rivers, which, you know, is not great as much as that's, I love Austin Rivers. That's a really, that's a really sad, sad thing to say, isn't it? My goodness. Yeah. No, you're yeah. right. The closest thing. So. Yeah, I mean, he was yeah. actually, he was, he's turned into a very nice rotation player, but like, you know, he's certainly no Pascal Siakam or, you know, for the Bucks, they also have Malcolm Brogdon. The Bucks are loaded with those guys. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've got they've got guys all over the place that were just better than anybody thought they were going to be. Um, yeah. So, oh, I was watching that. I was watching the Rockets, and now I'm not going to think of who the other guy was. I'm watching this team, and I'm saying, "Oh my God, Austin Rivers!" And who else was getting regular minutes that just doesn't belong on the court for them? Now I'm blank. Gerald Green. Um, Gerald Green. Gerald Green knows somebody else, though. Kenneth Freed. There's Kenneth a million Nene. PJ, PJ, PJ Tucker is their garbage pail guy. Um, I mean, PJ yeah, Tucker's yeah. good. I mean, I think but he's good. He's objectively good. Yeah. Nene yeah. is getting minutes still. I mean, he was great like 10 years ago, but he's like, he's dying. Oh, his they're their G League guy. What's his name? The three point oh, shooter. Um, Daniel House. Daniel House. Yeah. Yeah. Amon Shumpert. Yeah. We're naming all of them. Shumpert, Shumpert, that's the one. I'm watching the Rockets and I'm saying, oh my God, Austin Rivers and Iman Shumpert are on the floor at crunch time in the second round of the playoffs, right? I mean, come on. Those guys are fringe players. Right, right. Anyway, I I don't know. We're going to get hate mail from, from Iman Shumpert's mom mom now or something i don't know I, no I, th- I think if, if i remember correctly amon Shumper is actually really good about this because he's just he's on been on some like super high profile teams like he was on those knicks teams with mellow when they were actually good uh, when he was young and then he was on those Cavs team i think he's gotten a lot of hate, <laughs> a ton yeah. of hate. probably more than he deserves but i, I think he's okay with it um okay. but yeah i mean i think even the rockets too it all, it all goes back to draft picks like they've traded so many of their draft picks for these other guys who are good Hey, but, look at the look at the Clippers right now. They've got they've got everybody from you know they've got a lot of Rockets assets there, right? They yeah. the Rockets gave up a lot for Chris Paul. Yeah, yeah. and like, and you look at the Clippers' young guys, and one of the criticisms of Doc Rivers was always, "Oh, he didn't play his young guys." But I think we're seeing like he didn't play their young guys because they weren't any good. <laughs> it's like yeah, Shea was handed the, the starting role. What like seven eight games into the season this year I mean he earned it and nobody was arguing otherwise but like there's no clipper in the Lob City era no clipper rookie did anything like that I mean a guy again the closest was Reggie Bullock in his first two seasons when everyone saw he would hit a couple threes that looked really nice and be like oh this guy can kind of shoot and that was it um you know people always wanted him to play and I, I was probably among them back the day like oh play cj wilcox it's like you know no oh my gosh yeah <laughs> cj wilcox gosh uh yeah that's actually unfortunate he had like two really bad knee injuries and yes yeah, i think his career might actually just be- he always had that one almost comeback against the warriors where he yeah. had a bunch of shots so yeah but yeah i mean i think you know touching on what steve said too is like this team just has won so many games they didn't win and nothing says more than that than the fact that they beat the Warriors three times this year when Lob City, still at like kind of the peak of their powers, could never beat the Warriors, ever. And it's not even that they didn't have the talent. They just were completely out of it mentally, like the last yeah. two to three years. Just So I, I would say, I would argue on that, that that had a lot to, more to do with the Warriors than it had to do with the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, it had to do with both. But the Warriors... Took such. They just the Warriors hated 
that Chris Paul Clippers team. And they mm-hmm. always played their best. They always played their hardest against the Clippers was, was my impression of it. This Clippers team had no business beating the Warriors anytime. They did. A lot of that had to do with the Warriors. Now, you know, a 30 point comeback in the playoffs. There's no explanation for anything like that. That's the, you know, what an incredible game, what an incredible moment, uh, such fun. Um, didn't make any sense at all. I have no idea what was going on there. Um, but, but the, the Warriors, yeah, no, the, the, for years, for years, the Clippers just got crushed every time they played the Warriors. And it was, the Warriors were so focused against them. The Warriors really, really, really wanted to beat the Clippers. It was yeah, my and, take. And Draymond was the Blake Griffin stopper. I mean, he's like the everything stopper. I mean, at this point, he's, he's the best defensive player of this generation. But, um, yeah, I mean, he dominated Blake in those matchups. Yeah, just Blake could never do anything against him. And Draymond and Curry have been on the record talking about how pivotal that Clippers series was for them as a team. Yep. So they don't, they didn't forget that. As long as Chris Paul was on the Clippers, they took them super seriously and just destroyed, destroyed us every time. That's still the last Western Conference team to beat to win a playoff series against yep. the Warriors. Correct. That mm-hmm. that long ago. That's the last time a Western Conference team beat the the Warriors in the playoffs. I mean, that's that's crazy. That's crazy yeah. to think about. Yeah. But that's why, you know, that's why the Warriors always beat the Chris Paul, Blake Griffin uh, Clippers, always. Yep. At this point, I just feel bad for Chris Paul. I mean, he's lost to the Warriors more than, like, any person has lost to any other team in in bigger games. He was, like, injured last year. He had to sit that one out. And then this year he played, and he didn't even play that well. And the Warriors, they won in six, but, like, they were never going to lose that series, I don't think, this year. So it's just... Yeah, I think they still love beating him. I think Steph Curry, I think he said sometime this year, he he still loves playing Chris Paul to this day. And, you know, the side to that is he just loves beating Chris Paul. There, there was a story last year, and this is part of what makes Chris Paul kind of dodgy at times. And I just heard about this on Twitter, that Chris was practicing in Houston before a game and Steph wanted to practice on that. That was this year. I, that was this year? Yeah, this was like that was like in this past series, yeah. That's so gross, man. Like and, and then and the Chris and Steph just wanted to shoot out and Chris wouldn't let him shoot on the court, on the on a half court. Like who does that? You know, it's just little <laughs> things like that 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 Chris does and I love I think he's one of the most cerebral basketball players I've ever seen in my life. I loved watching Chris Paul when he was a Clipper. Even now I still love watching him. He's so smart. But why are you going to do that, Chris? Like, why do you do that? Why do you shove Draymond a little bit on these dunks? Like, don't do yeah. things like that. And like, the thing is, like, the Warriors are not the team to do that against. Like, there are right. teams where, like, that kind of psychological thing might work. Like DeMarcus like, Cousins. <laughs> yeah, like, if, if, you, if you did that to DeMarcus Cousins, you'd probably fly into a rage, like, the first minute of the game and, like, punch somebody. And he has against the Clippers. Which, honestly, is probably a, a good, a bad thing for anybody playing the Warriors, but that's completely aside. But, like, yeah, like, you... Like, Steph Curry has shown he's not really rattled by that. Draymond Green, definitely. Like, he gets upset, but then he just turns into a maniac and starts, you know, flying everywhere on defense. Like, I think that was the other thing. It's like, you would do all these little things against other teams that just did nothing against the Warriors, at least after that that playoff run. But, yeah, I mean, then this team just had no fear. Like, there were, there were other teams that played the Warriors this year and got down 30 and just died, and, you know, for good reason. But this this Clippers team was very... I think crazy is honestly a good word for them. And a lot of that probably has to do with Pat Beverly, who, you know, is 
a wild, <laughs> a wild person. Um, and who have, yeah. I've been having to write about now because all of a sudden he's like talking about how much he loves being a free agent and uh. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Um, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Is there anything else about, you know, this, this Clippers team or, or covering the Clippers you wanted to talk about, uh, Steve, you know, just. Yeah, Steve, how, how is, how's it been watching kind of how Clips Nation is now with the previews and the recaps and the game threads compared to when you just did it yourself for so many years? Like how, how is, how have you seen things kind of evolve and how is it just writing everything for so long? I always wanted to ask you, like, how did you manage to do that all the time? Cause it's tiring for me just to do a recap from time to time. Well, it was, it, so it's crazy. I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't even be able to, to say exactly the, the chronology of things, but I probably wrote it 100% by myself for at least the first three seasons um, and, and probably a little more than that. And it, and it went a while before, we, before I added anybody on a regular basis. I can remember I took a vacation to Germany late in the season during a, during a playoff run uh, where, they, where they came up a little bit short. So I, wouldn't, I couldn't tell you exactly when it was. It would have been a brand came and team. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. And, and I, I went on vacation and I didn't have, I wasn't going to be able to see games live and I didn't have anybody that was actually on staff. And we had like, at the time they were called diaries, like fan posts, but they were called diaries. And so I just, I got um, some of the old timers, Jiv and, and John R and some people that, that mm-hmm. some of the, some of the listeners will know from, from back in the day. And I just said, all right, you post a, a, a recap on for this game and you wrote, post a recap on this game. And I think I wrote the preview still because I could do that on off hours but uh, but I just sort of organized some some diaries around the thing, and that was the first time that I sort of like got the community much involved at all. Um, but yeah, you know, I I literally wasn't working, and I was spending full time type hours during the season on just writing the blog. Like I wrote, I wrote several times a day. Uh, I wa- obviously watched every game, wrote every recap, wrote every preview. Um, that's just what I did. It was my job for, for, you know, a few years there. Um, you know, not, not many people could do that. I just, I didn't have a job. I wasn't working. I didn't need to be working. And, uh, and so that's what I did. And I, and I honestly, I loved it. Um, what was weird about writing the blog was I figured out how much I liked to write. Um, Hmm. and I, and I probably, well, not probably, I should, uh, I should be writing some now. I should write, you know, every once in a while, at least now. Uh, you know, I think Rob would probably let me if I asked. Yeah, um, but <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I think I could be talked into it. <laughs> yeah, we'll work on it. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I really, really love to write, and uh, and some of it was, some of it wasn't a joy because when you're, you know, when it's a preview or a, or a recap and, and you're on deadline, you, you know, when you feel that pressure to write, it's not as much, but when it was just, I feel like I want to say something. Um, I really, really liked the writing. Um, and so I did it, I did it because of that. And, you know, at some point 
you know, I couldn't do it anymore. I went back to work. I ran it for a while um, after going back to work and it just was, it was really, really, really too much. And, and I wasn't enjoying it as much anymore. It was like, okay, I did that. I know I can do it, but I'm, you know, I'm not, it's not any different now than it was, you know, six years ago or anything else. I'm not really going anywhere else with this. So it was just time to walk away. Mm -hmm. And I watched the Clippers in a very different way now, right? I, I watched the Clippers. I watch every game. I, I, I enjoy watching basketball. I love watching this team. Uh, I'm going to miss Ralph a lot, you know, yeah. uh, that's going to be, that's going to be a very different experience next year. Um, but I just watch as a fan. I'm not watching thinking, Oh, I need to take some notes on this play and, or I need to live tweet this or Nope. I'm just watching for me right now. And, it, and it's a different experience. Was it, was there a player between that 06 team and the Chris Paul rebirth that you were like that you were kind of kind of sold on a little bit like I remember I liked Al Thornton for some reason a little bit I thought he could be good was there a guy for you during that little mini uh mini mediocrity that happened in between uh the Cassell years and the Chris Paul years that you were like this guy could be good while you were covering the team well, I mean, it, I'm not going to pick anybody obscure out. Um, you kind of blindsided me there a little bit, buddy. But, um, <laughs> but I will say this. I like Baron Davis. Oh, I, yeah. I thought Baron Davis got such a bad rap. I thought he was a terrific player. Um, I always said, you know, the, the whole Lob City nickname Baron Davis throws significantly better lobs than Chris Paul. Agreed. Baron Davis throws insane lob passes. Mm -hmm. Like that, you know, some of the like no look, you know, just blind lobs to the rim that Baron threw to to Blake or um or DJ were were incredible. So um I thought Baron got a got a bad rep on that uh in that situation. Um I can't. I wish I could come up with a with a really cool name for you right now. <laughs> Ike Diagu. Uh, no. Ike Diagu, uh, the next coming of Elton Brand, right? <laughs> I liked Rhino. I liked Craig Smith. Craig Smith was also fun. Craig Smith was fun. Craig Smith yeah. was always fun. Um, yeah, I don't. I got <laughs> people. People, for, people forget uh, how how motivated uh, Baron Davis was the year that Blake originally got hurt. When Blake, when even before, even when Blake got missed that first year, remember that Memphis game? The where Memphis the water, game, yeah. the Memphis game, the pipe, <laughs> the, the pipe. Baron was Baron was playing so well until that like that game. Was, yeah. So that team was overachieving. That team yeah. was out of their minds, and 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 I don't like we were thinking like it was never realistic, but it's like maybe Elton will come back early from the Achilles. Maybe they'll maybe they'll hang you know they'll keep it all together just long enough and then they can make a playoff run um and then and then the Mem it, like it all went to hell after the memphis game yeah um but uh <laughs> but yeah no baron was playing great baron was yeah. playing just out of his mind he was so, in shape in camp and he looked so good and uh that was that was kind of a lost season too um but Anyways, Baron, Baron, I uh, agree. Baron kind of gets a bad rap, and he was playing under – that was like some really bad Sterling years where Sterling was just heckling him from courtside. Just Sterling, yeah. He's just, just a terrible. gross person. Yeah. Yeah. And then they end up, you know, they end up packaging a first-round pick, an unprotected uh, first-round pick yeah. just to get rid of him. And, and it's just – it's like did 
did Sterling demand that he be traded? You know, it, it made it, none of it made any sense at all. Yeah. Um, so, but that first round pick probably should have been Kawhi Leonard and he'll be back next year. So it all, it all, it's all fine. <laughs> right. Uh, right. Right. It all comes full circle. All comes yeah. full circle. Yeah. I mean, do you have any other, anything else uh, that you wanted to kind of chat about Steve? I mean, we kind of went through your, went through things pretty quickly. Was there anything kind of memorable that, you know, people might not have known from even reading you all these years that, you know, this kind of wanted to talk about this thing or anything specific? Oh gosh. Um, I, I like, I don't know if people know that I was once a Lakers fan. Like when I oh, grew no. up, I grew up in Southern California. I was a Lakers fan. Um, I was, I was in the fabulous form when Jerry West made the three quarter court shot against wow. the Knicks. To, to send the finals game into overtime, uh, a game that the Lakers ended up losing, by the way. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I was a huge Lakers fan. The Showtime Lakers, the Magic Johnson teams, uh, I love them. Uh, but, you know, it, it's the, the, the good Clippers teams came along then, the Larry Brown ones, and, and got interesting. And the Shaq-Kobe years for the Lakers were just so – disappointing to me just those those guys were just the wrong guys they were not talk about not lovable superstars yeah um you know they they those those teams were just almost impossible to enjoy and and actually there was a transitional period where i went from the lakers to the phoenix suns the kevin mm-hmm. Johnson, yep the kevin johnson tom chambers phoenix suns that that kind of like i didn't even realize it until the second year that they met them in the playoffs. And I was like, oh, I'm rooting for the Suns now. I'm not actually rooting for the Lakers. I'm rooting for the Suns. And like Kevin Johnson to this day is one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite basketball players. Um, you know, you, we already had the, the Avery Bradley, he's not a great person conversation. So we won't go there about Kevin. Uh-oh, yeah. But, uh, but, but I did love those Phoenix Suns teams and that's, sort of how I, when I moved back to LA, I said, I, there's no way I can be a Lakers fan again. I can't, I can't do it. And that's when I picked up on the, on the Clippers. I felt like you were kind of also following those Nash teams too, weren't you, Steve? I always loved Steve Nash. Um, I was a, uh, a WCC fan in college. Um, I went to Pepperdine. I went to all the Pepperdine games and Steve Nash went to Santa Clara. Mm-hmm. I watched Steve Nash when he was a freshman at Santa Clara. This is not the year that they won the big NCAA tournament game. This was before that. I saw him as a freshman come into a West Coast Conference tournament game. He wasn't, he wasn't a starter for them at that time. I saw him come into a game and just take over the game. Like, just, just like, what is happening? Who is this guy? Um, so I saw him when he was a freshman at Santa Clara and he was amazing. And I always followed his career. And, and of course, I mean, who doesn't love Steve Nash? Plus Steve Nash is a lifelong Tottenham fan also. Come on, <laughs> right. Spurs, right? So, you know, <laughs> Champions League June 1st, everybody. <laughs> yeah. And I, I also relate with you with the idea. I always tell my Laker fan friends who are always like, why didn't you like the Lakers? I grew up, in a Laker house and everybody watched the Lakers. And, you know, I remember watching the, the Eddie Jones era Lakers and I loved Eddie Jones a lot actually, but when he got traded, I realized I didn't care for the Lakers. I just watched them with my, with my dad and my brother. 
And uh, I always told my Laker fan friends that had I grown up in the Magic Johnson era, I probably would have been a Laker fan because that team was seemed like they were a lot of fun to watch. But just the Kobe Shaq teams, even though they had so much success, I just didn't like them. Like I just didn't like the players and I mean, I always felt like I had a choice on what team to root for, and I chose the Clippers. And, you know, we didn't win championships, but I have no regrets. And I just I just didn't – that team just didn't vibe with me. And that's nothing wrong with the team, I guess. It's just not my not my cup of tea, you know. Well, it's, yeah. it's funny. When I, when I talk to people about how Durant and Curry being on the same team at the same time at the height of their powers, right, when I say – Look, guys, it just doesn't happen. You don't get two of the unguardable guys on the same team at the same time. That's why they're that good. It doesn't matter who else is around them. Yes, Draymond Green is a great is a great defender. Yes, Clay Thompson is a great shooter. You could put other guys around Curry and Durant, and they'd win championships. That's how good they are. And people always say, "Well, you know," I say it never happened. And they say, "Well, what about Shaq and Kobe?" And I'm like. Yeah, I guess kind of. They weren't really at their peaks at the same time. Yeah. Um, but that was, you know, that was a uniquely talented duo on the same team at the same time. They just weren't fun to watch, you know. Shaq was bigger than everybody. Yay. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like watching, watching a man play against a boy sometimes. It just wasn't fun. And Kobe's a freaking ball hog, right? I mean, yeah. it, wasn't, it was never pretty basketball never so i kind of felt this i kind of felt the same way about durant and westbrook after after a while like watching them just watching them stale. watching them just iso 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 it's just like geez like i love their, their their singular talents are amazing but this is awful like even when they were playing us i remember thinking what and while watching them it's like man i really i hate watching this team like i i can't stand watching them play even though they were they had durant and westbrook who were two of the five best players in the league, but yeah. Well, honestly, one of, one of my pet peeves about the current NBA is listening to Mike Breen or Mark Jackson or somebody talk about how beautiful the Warriors basketball is. What? You know, <laughs> what, do you, what game are you watching? Oh, they have the highest assist percentage. Yeah, because three guys are open because, <laughs> because you have to double – you have to play four defenders against, against two guys. I mean – yeah, you when somebody's wide open under the basket and you throw them the ball, the, or or maybe you just throw the ball to to Stephanie shoots. I mean, yeah, you can get you can get uh, some assists, but also in the fourth quarter, it's hello, here's an ISO for Durant. Hello, here's another ISO for Durant. I mean, Steve Kerr is a great coach. I don't think so. I mean, I don't see anything great happening in Warriors basketball. They're more fun to watch without Durant. I'll tell you that much. Oh, much more. Definitely. It's incredible. Um, yeah, everybody was talk, has been talking about it on Twitter the past week or two, just how shitty it is that Durant went there. <laughs> just for how, like, two fun teams are. I mean, people were questionable about the Thunder, but a lot of people thought they were fun. Just kind of died, and now the Thunder still aren't very fun to watch, at least I don't think. They're and the not. Warriors are just, yeah, they're, they're just not fun when they have a full complement of guys. It's, it's awful. Yeah, Such I always – I always say about the Durant decision, I, I compare it to being at the playing pickup at the playground somewhere, and you've just had a great, great, great game. You've just you've just played right down to the wire, and one team wins, and the team that wins says, "Hey, you want to run it back?" And the best team on the the best player on the other team says, "Sure, can I play with you guys?" 
you know, that's, that's not cool. Don't, you don't do that. You know, you say, yeah, we're going to beat you this time. We're going to beat you this time. They just took the Warriors to seven and he left. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's right. uh, I, I would have very, I would have legitimately mixed feelings if I had to watch him on the Clippers. I don't think he's going to the Clippers. Um, but if, if he did, it would be very odd after heavily criticizing him for like the past three years and just dumping on him all the time. Uh, you know, one of the Clips Nation's biggest posts on Twitter was the, a picture of Durant and then the little upgrade button. And then it's a Lou Williams picture. Like that one does really <laughs> well. And every time the Clippers beat the Warriors, uh, we, we retweet that one. Uh, and it's like, I just, I don't know. I would, I'd still want to press that. Like, I don't want to root for Kevin Durant. Uh, really. Yeah. But I, I don't think he's coming here anyway. So I guess that kind of transitions into, you know, the future. Um, so, I mean, you already, you already mentioned Kawhi and, and him coming here. Is that, is that what you're kind of rooting for this summer? We've went over how we don't actually want Kawhi to be sad. Uh, but is there <laughs> kind of, um, you know, Kawhi and running the rest of the team back? Is it Kawhi and somebody else? Like, what are you, what are you hoping for this summer? I don't know that I'm in that spot where I'm really hoping on that level. I just, I'm just going to watch the team, but having, you know, having said that, and, and I'm not plugged in enough to know what, what, what's really realistic. I'll tell you, I don't want Clay Thompson. I know yeah. that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want Kawhi. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry. I don't want Kyrie Irving. No. You know, uh, so when you look at the, at the other, you know, at the at the super team possibilities out there, um, I don't want to give up. A, I don't want to give up a ton of assets for Anthony Davis. Um, you know, Kawhi is the no brainer. I don't know. I don't know who else you're putting with. Him. I know there are guys that would want to play with Kawhi. Uh, I think, um, but Kawhi with this group would be a would be a really interesting thing. I don't think it's, I don't think it's NBA Finals interesting, but I think it's an interesting thing. Um, I don't know. What am I missing? Who who do you guys think is the is the right target? I just want Kawhi, honestly. <laughs> yeah, Shot I really has, has probably taken to like weird Kawhi rituals. <laughs> I, I love I love Kawhi a lot. I think he'd be perfect for the team. And honestly, I I would be. I just kind of want Kawhi. I I think Durant is amazing. Obviously, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be like, no, if he's like, I want to go to the Clippers. But like we've mentioned, he's not somebody that I really root for. Clay, I think, is maybe the closest thing afterwards that I would think about maybe spending money on. But I don't know. He's not a guy that you would want to make a number one option, you know? So, yeah. Well, and and I think Clay on a super max deal, Clay on the deal that he's going to sign next is a a contract you regret two years from now. That's, that's That's my take. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that I don't think it's a deal that you really want to have. That, you know, let's make Landry Shamit clay, right? Or you know, right, right. Clay. So um, yeah, and that's and that's the thing. We're kind of set in every other spot. Like I know that Zubat isn't isn't really setting the world on fire, but we have Trez, who's playing the most most of those minutes behind him. We have Shamit. We have Shea, who who you know every Clipper fan loves. Uh, we have Gallo for now, and if we can flip Gallo for something more that'd be great but if we can't then i i don't mind running gallo alongside Kawhi if that was the case and i i like the team i mean i'm kind of emotionally invested in the team so really i just want somebody to plug into that three spot and if we can get Kawhi, then 
I think that would be amazing. I don't, like you said, I don't think it's winning a title, but I think it can challenge for a Western Conference Finals appearance at least. And well, I'm, I mean, if you if you subtract if you subtract Durant from the Warriors, then now you know now it gets interesting. The, yeah, the the Rockets are probably on decline. Um, you know, they've got they've got issues. They're they're just thin as paper. Uh, and uh, and who's on the rise in in the West? You know, Nuggets. You know, eh. Nuggets. I'm not sold on the Nuggets, guys. I love Jokic, but is Jamal Murray? You know, sometimes he shows up and sometimes he doesn't. Right? I mean, right. He can't, he they can't should make a move that. this summer. Um, I don't know. I don't know he'll if he'll be available, but I know Nuggets. Some Nuggets people want them to make a move for Beal um, to flip Murray or Harris, and then some other assets to get Beal from the Wizards. Um, which would make them a lot scarier, but that would make them scarier. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, even that is not like an impossible team to beat. I mean, they'd be really, really good, but um, yeah, I mean, there's really, there's no other team out there. I think the jazz have kind of plateaued, uh, you know, Mitchell's is good, but most of the rest of their guys aren't really young or getting better. Uh, and that, when you just run down the teams, like this Blazers team is not getting any better. Probably. Um, this is the best they're going to be. Even with Nurkic coming back next year, they're not like a great team. So, I mean, I think if you add Kawhi and you add in improvements from from Shamit and Shane, even Zubots, and maybe even Jerome Robinson, <laughs> um, Clipper savior, yeah, this is the savior. I think as Clippers team, I think Western Conference Finals is you know a possibility. I think honestly, even if they lose Durant, the Warriors might still be the favorites to win the West next year. Yeah. Oh, they would. Oh, they'd for. I mean, if they lose Durant, they're still the favorite. If they lose Durant and Clay, you know, they're probably yeah. still the favorite. You know, it it's it starts changing, but um, obviously, but uh, but they're still they still be the team to beat. They're still the team to beat right now. You know, they yeah. yeah, nobody's nobody. And and most likely Clay is staying. So, but yeah, they're all probably the, all the leakage is is just. It's all just stuff to get him the max from the Warriors, mm-hmm. which he's going to get anyway. This is he's staying. Um, KD, I'm pretty sure is going to the Knicks. Uh, Draymond is going to stay, and just Steph Clay and Draymond with Iggy somehow ageless um, and his hands just swiping. His play on Dame yesterday was unbelievable. Um, I thought that was such a fitting ending to that game because that's that's the reason that Portland has no chance against this team. Is because they've got Iggy and they've got Clay, and Portland has two guards that they are so 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 dependent on, and the Warriors have two great perimeter defenders that they can stick on those guys. You know, right? They got issues because Dame and and uh, and CJ just can't get free. And this is maybe my thing, just watching, again, watching Paul destroy Lillard for so many years. But I've always felt like Dame is is somewhat guardable if you have the right defender on him. Obviously, he's just an amazing player, and I probably don't give him the kudos he deserves. But I don't think Denver had those players to guard him, particularly. And even though Paul George has been an all-world defender, he was kind of a broken version of himself in that first round. And I don't think OKC had people that could really defend him. And I think he can be slowed. I think if you get super physical with him, he can be slowed a bit. And he's still Damian Lillard, and he's a great guard. But I, I don't know. I, I'm still I – I don't fear Damian Lillard how I should. 
<laughs> no, I mean, he's, he's just not Steph Curry. I mean, I think he is right. one of those guys who's, you know, he's, you know, 90% maybe, but I might even be generous of Steph Curry, which is still a great player, but it's the last 10% that makes Steph just, you know, unstoppable. And his defense is underrated, his rebounding. Every time the Warriors need a rebound, Steph Curry gets a rebound. It's unreal. Um, for a guy his height and just, you know, he still has put on some muscle, but not a ton. And he just has great instincts, just, you know, a brilliant basketball player. So, yeah, I mean, they're they're unreal, you know, the Warriors, even without Kevin Durant. I mean, I think the, the stat that was came up was they're 32-4 and four in the games without Kevin Durant since he came and with Steph Curry, which is a 73-win pace, funnily enough. Um, <laughs> yeah. Just, 73 wins. That should win a championship, right? <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> – yeah, that's. I, I remember. <laughs> it was always funny that the Clippers, you know, there were those two years. It's like, oh, maybe they, if they got to the finals, they would win. I was just like, they have zero players on the roster who could guard LeBron James. Um, you know, making the finals would have been incredible. Obviously, I'm not complaining, but um, yeah, I mean, LeBron might have scored 40 points a game in those series. Just going back to those teams' lack of any wing players, any big wings, anyway. What, whatever we say about the Lob City Clippers, like they were never favored to win a title, like ever. They were never like, oh, this team is going to win a championship because they have the best team in the league. They never even had the best team in the West. So, like, there was that I, brief, you know, that legendary one day, in, right, when they were up three one. Uh, the the <laughs> very legendary uh, one day when Curry got injured in the second round in 2016. But yeah, I mean. I just think even if I think 2015, which is the year the Warriors broke out, they were the favorites to win the West. They, they were year. when they um, were up when they were up three one against the Rockets. The Warriors were down one two against, the Grizzlies, against right? the Grizzlies, yeah. and the Clippers for a day were the favorites to win the championship in Vegas. Yeah, but they were still never going to beat LeBron, even if they made no, it that far. They were, so they were, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's Kawhi, which is, like, this modern NBA revolves around these wing players. And the Clippers, you know, as good as they were this year, they still didn't have anybody who could even remotely slow down Kevin Durant. Not even – I mean, there's nobody who can stop Kevin Durant. But there are guys who can at least make him think. And the Clippers had none of them. I mean, Jermichael Green was their best option. And, like, I love me some Jermichael Green. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he was a really fun addition and played really well. But, you know, he just had no chance whatsoever. And that's Kawhi. Like, he's not going to stop Kevin Durant, but you put him on Durant, and it's like Durant has to at least work somewhat to get his shots. And, you know, that's what he brings. And I, I'm, I think I'm just with you guys at this point. I, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with Kawhi, and, and that's it this summer. Bring yeah, that. Just, just trade Wilson Chandler for Kawhi Leonard. Like, that's all I'm asking. Uh, Wilson Chandler is uh, – he's gone, I would guess. Um, he's gone. But, I mean, yeah, bring back Pat Beverly, I think, has to be a must. Um, you know, yeah. bring back Green. Sure, bring back, you know, Garrett Temple. If he comes cheap, why not? Like, you know, they, they added Rodney Magruder so they could get him cheap this summer, even though he couldn't play in the playoffs. Like, I mean, I think that's kind of the thing. I mean, maybe the last question is, what is what's it like, Steve, you know, covering – not covering, just watching and, and reading about a Clippers team with a great front office? Because that's something they certainly had never had before. And now, I mean, is it just like, are you just confident they're going to make the right moves and, and right draft picks and that kind of stuff? Because I remember even when I started writing, I was never thought they were ever doing anything like otherworldly with regards to the cap or trades or, or drafting. And now just they do moves and they're just incredible. Like, you know, so what's that kind of been like watching the front office kind of 
become one, maybe the best in the NBA. I don't know, just one of the best. It's it's pretty remarkable. Well, I think it's a little early to to take a victory lap on on the front office stuff. Maybe they just got lucky on a few deals. I mean, there's two teams involved in every deal, and and rumor has it that when the phone call came, like the Lakers called offering Zubats for um, for what's his name, the guy from Bucknell, Muscala, and Muscala. Uh, yeah. um, and so, I mean, the way the story goes, like Jerry West hung, like thought it was a joke. You know, like he laughed when they offered. And, you know, that came out of nowhere. Um, yeah, they've made some great moves. More, more important, I mean, you just have to remember and compare and contrast Donald Sterling to Steve Ballmer, right? That's all you need to think about. Yeah. They were the, the laughingstock of the league. They, were, they had this terrible human being of an owner who made terrible decisions because he was a terrible human being. And, and now they've got this guy who, you know, maybe he's not a great human being. I don't know, but he's got money and he wants his team to win and he's making good business decisions, not, not about basketball, but about hiring people who know basketball, right. And letting them make decisions. You know, he's not sitting in court side heckling his point guard and, and telling his GM to sell the, uh, to, to trade the guy cause he doesn't like watching him. He's saying, you guys make the decisions. Um, oh, you need, you, you, you know, you think we need to tweak the front office. Okay. Let's do that. You know, let's get the right people into the front office to make the right decisions too. And that just gives you a lot of confidence, right? And just, and they're never going to do something. They're never going to not do something that would improve the team because of money, right? We know that if they know they can improve the team and it's just a matter of money, they're going to spend the money. So, yeah. It's, it's a very, very, very different experience, right? Um, it's still really interesting when you go back to why did LA never embrace Chris Paul? It's still a Lakers town. It was a Lakers town then, it's a Lakers town now. Um, it's gonna be really interesting to see how that plays out, um, you know, when can, you know, when does that ever change? Does it ever change? Um, I think there's certainly indication that, that players are looking at it and saying, hmm, what's the right destination for me? Uh, you know, which, which front office is functional right now? Well, we know the answer to that question, um, but it's gonna be interesting to see in the long term if the, the glamor of the Lakers continues to sort of suck the oxygen out of the room. I, I don't know. We'll see. Steve, do you still root, root for Byron Mullins? Byron Mullins. Oh, my God. That's a blast <laughs> from the past. What about Spencer Hawes? Spencer Hawes? Was Spencer Hawes the, the, the three-point uh, three big you were rooting for? He, it was a catch five. He was huge. He was a huge signing. He was, gonna, he was that guy. Well, that was that guy. That was the guy. He was He's the a, guy. Jared Dudley, Jared Dudley, that was an acquisition that was supposed to make a big difference. Every single damn acquisition, nothing panned out. Nothing panned out. Byron Mullins, oh my god! <laughs> isn't Spencer Hawes playing for the? Is he? Isn't he playing for the Bucks right now? Isn't he a Buck? No, he's not in the NBA anymore. Is he That's not? Is he not? Damn it! Isn't no. he on some like random team? No, he was. He was, I believe, at some summer league team. Um, but Byron Mullins, hilarious enough, I did a, one of my favorite things is every summer when there's nothing to write about, I do, where are they nows? 
about uh, former Clippers players, like especially the really random ones. And Byron Mullins like played in Dubai. He played in Iran. I think he was playing in like Finland now or something. Oh no, okay. Uh, he's he played in Japan. Um, just like two different teams in China. Uh, just a fascinating career. <laughs> uh, Spencer Hawes. I don't know. What- I found out today that uh, Jody Meeks is still in the NBA. He he was he got he was on the, <laughs> he, he played was, today. yeah he played today he, who knew who knew Jody Meeks was in the NBA that was that was surprising. Spencer Hawes was a buck in 2017. Now he plays for the South Bay Lakers in the G League. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Spencer yeah. Hawes was you know the he had some controversial political opinions. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah, Spencer Hawes. Yeah, I think Byron Mullins is. Good guy. I'd really, I never talked to him, but I haven't heard anything bad about him. But yeah, that Lob City team, those those around the margins transactions were were also what did them in. Just you know, unfortunate. Um, every single, every single, you know, these are the guys that are going to fill out the roster or are going to are going to help this team. None of them, none of them worked. And then think- guys, and then guys would leave the Clippers and 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 start playing better again, right? You yep. know, it's like. Yep. Uh, you know, uh, well, Jared Dudley to some extent, um, but uh, uh, I don't know. There's so many, so many crazy. Josh Smith. Gosh. Josh, well, Josh Smith. Don't get me started on Josh Smith. We, we won't. Jo- Lance Stevenson. Lance Stevenson <laughs> could not play basketball at all at any point in time when he was a Clipper and then left and it's like, hey, look, he can play basketball again. Like, Terrible. It just yeah, he's a terrible player, but but he's did a few things right since he left the anyway, just nothing, nothing panned out that whole time. Um and you know, so that's it's like I guess is that the the coach GM problem? Should that never have happened? It nothing ever worked there. It was just amazing. Like and you'd think on paper it's like, oh, that looks pretty good. Spencer Spencer Haas, oh I like his numbers. His numbers look pretty good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was, that's actually one of the interesting things, I guess, about the change in how much more connected like blogs are and stuff. Because one of the things you you learn now is like you know you have to be connected with every other team and their blogs. Like I follow people from all other twenty nine teams, and you know, like for example, I think looking back at it, Sixers fans hated Spencer Hawes, and when you just look at the numbers, he seemed like a perfectly fine player. But I think if, you know, if there had been a deep dive into like Sixers fandom, like if I was on Twitter at that time, which I was not, and had just done a poll of Sixers fans about like, will Spencer Hawes help the Clippers? It would have been like a resounding no. But Twitter was still, I think NBA Twitter was still like in its infancy back then. So I didn't know from any of that. Like, you know, maybe I popped over to the Sixers blog uh, to see what, you know, what their thoughts were. But now it's like, you know, you have, you know, very detailed opinions on all these players from other from other teams and like you know I remember the one I remember was Jeff Green which I think most people were not fans of that trade but like every fan of every you know team that Jeff Green had been on was like Jeff Green is not good (laughs) Jeff Green will not answer any of your problems and that was like one of the first times was like oh wow like you know I didn't think Jeff Green was good but I didn't think he was this bad either and then my opinion of him was kind of you know more informed and then he came and it was just like, yeah, Jeff Green is not not very good. Um, but now that kind of stuff is just everywhere. Like as soon as, 
you get any kind of trade, there's just immediate feedback from all these fans and media people and, and stuff, which is one of the, the powers of like Twitter and social media and just very connected blogs and stuff. But that that's something that's changed even since I started writing, like, you know, like I said, which is just under five years even, uh, is just how much more quickly information spreads about these guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, Shap, did you have anything else you wanted to ask or talk about? Um, not particularly. We could probably get, we could probably talk about more things when we go through Twitter questions too. Yeah, there aren't that many, I don't think, because it's just, you know, it was a night of other things happening in the NBA. Um, but let's see here from Giants on the Moon. This is a question we can spend some time on, which is in your and Steve's fan history, build your all time Clippers starting five. Oh. Steve, we, yeah. can start with, we can start with you, Steve. Yeah, so, I mean, point guards, Chris Paul. I mean, wait, are we talking about, are we talking about, like, my favorite, or are we talking about the actual best? I think it would be best. It just says all-time Clippers, which maybe means best Clippers player. I think you could probably do either best or favorite. Um, it might so be more fun to do favorite, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't see any way we're going to get away from Chris Paul at the point. Um, center would be an interesting discussion, I think. But, you know, is it is it Chris Kamen? I mean, uh, we're not going to go back to Bill Walton, are we? <laughs> you could. <laughs> yeah, we could. Uh, so, uh, and, and Kamen was, an, you know, Kamen was a good ball player. He was, he was an interesting dude and he was frustrating as a ball player, but he's a very, very good ball player. Mm-hmm. Power forward, you know, Brand or, or Blake, Boy, I don't, that's a that's a that's a tough call right there. Yeah. Um, you know, I would probably give the edge to Blake, but I don't. You know, I don't know. What do you think, Chap? I probably would. I mean, if I if it was me, I'd probably pick Blake. I'd play Brand at center with how the NBA is now. But okay. Oh yeah. well, sure, sure. There's that. Yeah. So I mean, and Brand Brand and Blake are both better than Cayman. So if we're allowed to do that, we will we'll do that. Yeah. Um. So, and then you got to go back to, you know, you got to think about Danny Manning and Ron Harper um, for, for the two and the three. Um, you know, I think, I think I'd have to go with, with, with those guys. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's fair. I probably, I probably would, would uh, get Tim Thomas and make a clone of him and play him in every position. And that would be <laughs> That okay. Would, that would be weird. that would be my team. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'd probably go with Paul. Um, just from a per- personal perspective, I probably would go with Eric Gordon at the two because mm. uh, I watched him. So I loved Eric Gordon a lot before he got traded. Um, at the three, objectively, you would put you would put Manning. I haven't really. I didn't really watch Manning enough to say who I would play. And it's weird because the Clippers really. Clippers really haven't had like a great small forward while I've been watching them all these years. The closest, Tobias thing, Harris. the closest thing was Tobias and he barely played for us. Right. He was there a year. Yeah. yeah. But if I, I mean, even those, even the Darius miles era Clippers, I mean, Lamar Odom was briefly a small forward when Andre Miller was our starting point guard and that never really worked. That never looked right. Corey McGetty was very good, but he wasn't a particular favorite of mine. Dang, you know, I might just say Tobias Harris. That's really weird to say. But as far as like my favorite small forward, 
you know, I, I love Karan Butler, but he was past his prime. Um, you know, Mike Barnes was a fun guy, but he was never really a starting small forward. He just started for us. Um, objectively, it would be Danny Manning if I had to go back into Clipper history. But my personal favorite might have been Tobias Harris. That's super weird to say. Uh, power forward, I'd play Blake, and I probably would play Brand at the center. And just and just because I love I love Elton Brand, I've forgiven Elton Brand, and he also gave us Landry Shamit. So thank you, Elton. You know, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And no, I, nobody's I nobody's picking Michael Olo Candy at the center. <laughs> No, I'm not not excited to pick Michael Olo. The Olo. funniest thing about the Bill Walton Ralph Lawler broadcast was that they talked about Michael Owa candy like three times. <laughs> like, oh man. Um yeah, it's it's interesting. Um you know, I, I'd say for mine, I you know, I think you have to go Paul. Though if you do favorites, um I think Shay is gonna be in there pretty soon for me, honestly. If we keep Shay within four years, I think Shay would be my yeah, I mean, obviously he's incredibly unlikely to ever be as good as Chris Paul, but is right, already right. on the path to being more likable, just like a quiet Canadian kid. Um but I mean I think there are some fans who I remember there was a huge Eric Bledsoe hive. Um when I love Bledsoe. High. He was so much fun to watch in his first few years. Now he still is now, he's a great defender, but um you know, I think it has to be Paul shooting guard. You know, the shooting guard of my, you know, <laughs> of most of my Clippers teams was JJ Redick, which is, you know, right, right. I honestly, I might go Catino Mobley. Well, Cat Mobley would be a fine choice. Cat would be a fine choice. Mm-hmm. And we didn't talk about Cassell for the point, right? I mean, he wasn't oh. there that long, but what, a, what an important, you know, yeah. what an important role he played for them. And he had, you know, he had a couple great seasons. But Cat was a really good shooting guard for them, for sure. Yeah, I think I might go, you know, Cat Mobley for shooting guard. Small forward is just That's a fair. wasteland, like just yeah. a barren, barren wasteland. I'm, I'm way too young for, for so long. Yeah. Um, you know, it for me, it might have to be Tobias, like honestly, which is, you know, again, very pathetic. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Manning <laughs> is way before my time. Um, by the numbers, I mean, it, it has to be him. Um, you know, for all-time Clippers, small forward. We could get Dominique Wilkins on the team. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, was he like a was he like a Danny Granger esque washout? Or no, he was a he was in the Manning trade. He came like for one of his good years post Achilles. So he was still good. Okay, he was still good. Okay. Well, but yeah. it was but it was a rental, right? It was they yeah, traded, it was a rental. It was a, it was a trade deadline deal, so he only played you know February to to April, and then he was off. Yeah, yeah, so, Dominique. Wow. Um, yeah, and I think you have to go Blake Brand um, for power forward center. Though I mean, I am very partial to DJ. Uh, you know, I still I still like watching DJ, even though he fell off massively uh, this year. You know, his dunks, my favorite dunk of all time, actually more than any of the Blake Griffin dunks, crazily, uh, was his dunk on Brandon Knight, which I will Brandon Knight, yeah, I will forever remember, and that is honestly probably Brandon Knight's legacy in the NBA, which is very sad, but. Um, <laughs> just getting dunked and i remember this was like very early internet not very early this was very early i guess social <laughs> media, like gif humor it was a thing of the dunk happening and then like a tombstone popping up oh. where brandon knight's head was and they uh, had like they had like the wwe guys like calling it and all that there's a yeah. lot of really fun things around that that play yeah that was insane um yeah I, I mean blake dj i mean but then you have three lob city members and like that's not gonna be a fun team <laughs> no <laughs> um this is destined to be like losing the second round to a team <laughs> worse than you. Um, 
But uh, Elton Brand, the Clippers, you you guys brought up Baron Davis, but like between Brand and Davis, they have like two really great players who will be like forgotten to NBA history in five to ten years. Like nobody outside of some Clippers fans are going to remember Elton Brand probably. And then the same thing goes for Baron Davis and like maybe New Orleans fans, which honestly there's probably fewer of them than Clippers the, fans. The We Believe Warriors will always be. Pretty yeah, good. yeah, that's true. Um, but like I, I guess he'll have his place there. But like he was so good in his. He was so good. He was incredible. He, he was incredible as a Hornet. People forget yeah. that he had that game winner that was wiped out that changed like the rules for point four seconds because uh, or point three seconds because mm-hmm. he had that game winner against I want to say maybe the Magic against I can't remember but yeah I know what you're talking about but he was incredible that year he was in his prime he was really amazing and Elton Brandon 06 was just an unbelievable unbelievable player I think Elton was third in MVP voting that that season he was he was correctly he was awesome Um, but Baron back in those Hornet days people don't remember how athletic he was right like because did he have knee surgery after that I think but he yeah. blew out. He blew out his ACL originally in UCLA. I want to say, and then he had another one. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, 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 yeah. But he was he was incredibly athletic. Still, even after the 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 college injury, when he was at uh, when he was at Charlotte, he was just unbelievably athletic. And he was a very different player later in his career. But he was a great, great player at one point. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Clippers have just uh, so many just really great players who will, you know, never have be properly remembered. Even though even the guys just were passed through, even for a couple years. Like, and Lamar Odom will be remembered as a Laker, probably rightfully so. But, like, what I would love, be amazing I, in today's I life. love Lamar so much. His, his game would be incredible um, now. You know, you could play him at, like, any position. He would probably be a better shooter now. But, like, you know... It's just he was so much fun to watch and just such a one of those guys who back in the day was like a tweener. It's like, oh, what position now would just be like he's a guy who can defend like right. he's, positions. Yeah, one of your guys on the floor. He you put yeah. you want you want five of those guys now. At the time you were like, Oh, I don't know what position he plays. Just put five of them on the floor and have them switch everything and and you know, spread the floor and drive and kick and you know, that's that's what everybody wants yeah. now. What a talent Lamar Odom was. Jeez. It's, it's sad. But, you know, and every time he's in the news now, it's for not good reason, though. I mean, I'm happy he's alive at this point. He, he's, I can't believe he's alive. I wrote an article about him when he was, uh, when he had all those strokes. It's, I mean, I'm a, I'm a doctor. Like, I thought he was going to, I thought he was a goner. Like, I couldn't believe from what, what I had heard was happening that he, he survived that, but it sounds like he's trying to get better. So as long as that's happening and he had a great career, so he, he's not Amazing like he, career. Yeah. he wasn't like a total bust or anything. He had great, great years with the Lakers, a two time champ. Like he did really well. Even his career, even when he came back with the Clippers, I thought he was kind of underrated. Like I thought he still had some skill there and he was a big body and he was still a smart player. He's just, his body was just kind of catching up with them. I tell you, I think Lamar uh, Lamar was a defensive savant. Like people don't realize what a good defender Lamar was. He was always in the right spot. Yeah. He just you know, he just was so he. You know, we've talked about it a little bit with Steph. We've talked about it with with a few other guys. There are some guys that just get basketball. Right. Like, and Lamar is one of those guys. He just he just always knew basketball. 
So he was he was an underrated defender. He was a great, great, great defender. Yep, and that's a big reason why even when he came back as a Clipper, I wanted him playing more. I wanted him to close games ahead of DJ during that whole Vinny Del Negro year because I thought I just thought he got it. I still thought he like understood the game and knew where to go, knew where to move. Uh, well, I, I don't. I, I'm not going to remember the numbers real well, but I want to say he was shooting something like 30 percent for the Clippers that year. Oh, he was and, bad. He couldn't shoot. He was no and confidence. He helped them so much. Like he couldn't make he couldn't make anything, but they were much better with him on the court that season. And he had one dunk, and everybody lost their shit. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And just like what defense and in, in passing does for you is, you know, it's just yeah. He was. A great player. Well, wow, we went. That was a, an in-depth answer to that question. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, honestly, we have Blake and Brand, but man, I wish I could put that one year. Lamar just had those great. He had like seventeen and like nine and five or something, something awesome. He had one great year with the Clippers. Um, he was yeah, his second year. He was a great. He was really awesome that year. You know, he got into drugs a bit, even just marijuana when he was a Clipper. But he was just he had he had flashed so much talent those first couple of years. He was yeah. a very enticing player. He's one of He's my favorite Clippers. Like a more fun Ben Simmons. Right, right, pretty much. Um, but yeah, we'll probably answer a couple more. Um, there are a couple that are Edmundo at Just Type says, "What's up, Steve?" That's it. And uh, Phil Gurney uh, asks, what is Steve doing these days? So if you want to share a little bit, you don't have to go super in-depth. But, yeah, people, I guess, just want to know what you're up to. Phil Gurney, that's a blast from the past. Um, So I teach Algebra 2 at Long Beach Polytechnic High School, Hmm. home of Scholars and Champions. So, um, and I have... Uh, a new girlfriend, and I am very, 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 very fond of her, and um, and we'll probably get married sometime in the next year or so. Oh, congratulations! Yeah. Congratulations, yeah. Steve. Yeah, so that's exciting, um, and uh, that's kind of it. My uh, my oldest is is uh, working, and my youngest is in college, and uh, and she's she's happy at UCLA right now. Uh, things are going well. Things are going well. I think everybody will be happy happy to know that and hear that. Um, honestly, if we can probably put that at the front of the podcast, <laughs> yeah, probably uh, that'll be good. Um, and then uh, Ron Solo at CP3O says, "Whoa, awesome!" In response to that, we're doing a podcast with you. Tell Steve he's missed, which done and. Um, what odds do you give the Clippers for landing Kawhi, Katie, Butler, Clay, or nobody? I, you know, I guess just a superstar or nobody. Just completely, we don't really know. Just you know, give us your off the top of your head what the odds are. Well, I, I mean, I, I will go fifty-fifty on Kawhi. I don't see him going anywhere. I don't see him doing anything other than staying in Toronto or being a Clipper. And and I, you know, I think. It's you know I think it's a legitimate. I don't think you discount staying in Toronto. You know it's it's a good team. Uh, Kyle's uh, Kyle Lowry's on the downside of his career, unfortunately. Marcus Saul's on the downside of his career also. So so they're a little strapped, and and Kawhi probably knows all that, and he doesn't like the weather. But you know he could do worse than staying where he is. Um, 
anybody else, I mean, the Clippers have money. And if, if Kawhi makes a quick decision, then will they feel compelled to throw it at somebody else? Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I see a lot of bad contracts out there. It's what I see. Yeah, I think I'm mean, Shap and I have been preaching all year about not wanting to sign Jimmy Butler. Um, oh, no. please, God, no. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it would not be pretty. Um, but so, yeah, I mean, I think so overrated. Yeah, overrated. Just the chemistry issues, the fact that Tibbs wore his knees and legs to absolute dust over yeah. their five years together. I mean, he averaged like 40 minutes a game for five seasons. With today's NBA is just far too much. Um, and one of the things Doc did awesome this year, which I wrote about in the Gallo exit interview, was he kept his minutes low, even though it was tempting to play him because Gallo was so good. He averaged, I think, like 30 minutes a game this year, 31 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, and it helped keep him healthy. So yeah, Jimmy Butler's, that contract is going to look awful in after one year, maybe. You know, I, you. No, no interest whatsoever in Jimmy Butler. Yeah, it's just, yeah. Um, there are a couple other, let me see here. Um, yeah, there's one about, um, you already kind of mentioned this about you're not wanting to trade assets for Anthony Davis, but it's, there's a question about, do can we tempt the Pelicans with Landry, the Miami pick, Trez Gallo, and the Philly picks for AD? I mean, I think that's a big offer. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting question. Steve, what's your cap on an Anthony Davis trade for the Clippers? I don't think he's coming to the Clippers. Like, I don't, I don't think Rob does either. But if you had a cap for what what the max you would offer for somebody like that, like Anthony Davis, like where would you, where would you cut it off at? Well, I, I, you know, I don't have the roster in front of me. I don't have all the assets in front of me. Um, you know, uh, it's a superstar league, guys, and you know that. I know that. Um, if you felt like you, if you could get them and he was going to be happy and motivated to be here, then you do a lot for that, right? I just don't see that second part of the equation. I don't think he wants yep. to be here. Right. So, so I don't know that I can answer the question because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bought in on him being bought in. Right. Um, you know, so yeah, I'd give up a lot for, for the dude. He's, he's a singular talent. Um, but, I'm just not, I'm not sure that he wants to be here. That's a contract that wouldn't be overvalued. That wouldn't be, you wouldn't be overpaying for that guy if he were motivated. I mean, obviously it's not a good look for him to quit on his Pelicans teammates, right? For him mm-hmm. to, to do what he did. Um, that's not a good look. It doesn't feel right for him moving to the next team. But if he, if he goes to the next team and he's, and he's, you know, a super motivated superstar, then he's worth a super max contract. Um, you know, I'd give up a lot for that guy. I just don't think we'd get that guy. Yeah. I mean, I think we talked about this on, maybe it was the last part or a couple pods, but I said, you know, if they have like very, as concrete as you can possibly get assurances from him and Rich Paul, like everybody in his camp, like we like the Clippers, we will resign with the Clippers. I think you have to give basically anything, you know, but I think the likelihood of that happening is extremely low. Um, I don't know if I would, I would trust him going anywhere. Like even if he goes to the Lakers, which is apparently like his and, and Rich Paul's dream destination, 
two years from now, LeBron is going to be, you know, 36 with like 80,000 minutes played or whatever ridiculous amount he's played. You know, they're going to send out all their young guys for him. I don't know if he even stays there in two years. Like, I just, I don't trust him, his decision-making team or anything. Like, it's just, it's so tough to, to believe that. But I mean, yeah. And it's also, when you think about what he did this year, like he quit on the Pelicans and what was that, like early January? I mean, yeah. they were they were not great, but they weren't like done as a team. And I mean, Drew Holiday is a monster um, and a great fit with him too, in terms of just the defense that they can play together. And it was just so weird, like just half a season after they had such a great playoff run, he was just like, nope, I don't want to be here anymore. And yeah, that's it's just not not great. It's not not as bad as KD just leaving the Thunder to go to the Warriors, but you know, it's again not necessarily a great guy to root for, you know, in terms of basketball. I mean he's I'm sure he's a nice guy, whatever, but yeah. So here's a question. If you're if you're the Pelicans and or Davis, are you now thinking, huh, maybe maybe I'll stay here and and be a big three with Drew and and Zion, right? I mean, do the Pelicans think they can convince him to do that? I'm sure they do. I, I, I've still heard reports that he still wants out. He'd be silly not to kind of take a second look at everything. I mean, Drew Holiday is like is like Rob mentioned, and I, we've mentioned on the pod, like really just a great player and a great fit. And Zion seems like he would fit next to Anthony Davis. So I, I definitely think the Pelicans are going to talk to him. I think they they do have a meeting coming up where they're going to sit down and talk about everything. Um, but whether or not that changes Davis's mind, maybe he's just so soured on the idea of staying in New Orleans with their management, with their ownership situation that he wants to go. But the Pelicans would be silly on not trying to sit him down and be like, hey, look at this. Are the Lakers really better than this? Like, if you really want to go there with LeBron and, and just a bunch of garbage, like, do you want to do that? We have a ready-made, you know, what everybody thinks is the greatest prospect since you coming in. And Drew and Drew Holiday, who is nothing to sneeze at anymore. And I think he's proven that by now. So I would love for him just to be like, hey, you know, let me at least try this. And rather than if he's if he's a kind of guy that's still demanding out right now, that's some that's not the greatest character guy. I mean, that's a good situation right now from a personnel standpoint what do you think Rob about that yeah I mean I think it's also interesting just because his timeline does not match up with LeBron's at all he's you know eight nine years younger than LeBron LeBron still amazing clearly declined at least somewhat this year and had his first serious injury like ever which you know I don't want LeBron to get injured because he's you know one of the greatest maybe the greatest basketball player of all time and depending on who you talk to but I mean, those injuries are not going to go away as he ages into like his mid and late thirties. And I just, I never understood from a basketball reason perspective why he wanted to go to the Lakers. I mean, I didn't understand why there was no basketball reason for LeBron to go to the Lakers, uh, which is, you know, part of how the league works now, which is it's not really all about basketball, but from basketball perspective, I don't think he should leave New Orleans. I mean, people, I, I do watch some college basketball and I do, you know, my statistical analyses and stuff. Um, and Zion obviously comes out great by that, but like people who really watch and scout college basketball, as you mentioned, have said, he's the best prospect since Anthony Davis. Some think he's an even better prospect than Anthony Davis was. And, you know, to have that guy who does fit alongside Davis, especially since Davis can shoot threes now. Um, 
along with Drew Holiday, I mean, that would be just an incredible defensive team, an unbelievable defensive team. Probably, you know, on paper at least, a front runner to be the best defensive team in the NBA next year. And to give that up to go to LeBron's team, especially since, you know, I'm not even that high on the Lakers young guys, but they would give almost all of them away to get Davis. I don't think they'd have much room to do anything else. It'd be Davis, LeBron, like maybe one of the young guys, and then just, you know, like hangers on and run and like ring chasers is not like an awesome NBA team. I mean, they're, they'll be really good. They'd make the playoffs. They'd probably win like a series. But, I mean, is that team being the Warriors? I No. I mean, I don't know if that team would even beat the Rockets, really. Just, you know. So, I think he should at least consider staying. I don't think he will, though. I think the die has kind of been cast, and he's probably going to demand a trade. Though, I think, by all accounts, David Griffin is going to try to talk him into it, uh, if for no other reason, you know, to have the talks and to boost his trade value a little bit. But it's not a great scene, Um it really isn't. And you know, I just, I love Drew Holiday too. Like I probably, I might even overrate him a little bit, but I mean, he's just so good. He's one of the better, you know, not tier B guards in the entire NBA. And, you know, just leaving that for what the Lakers will be is, I don't know. It just doesn't make much sense to me. So I'm, I'm not a huge fan, um, but I do know he's, you know, an amazing basketball player. Like he's one of the best players in the yeah. world. Yeah, And, you know, if he commits to staying with the Clippers or at least even just giving them like very strong consideration, like you have to try to make that move. Um, but it's, it's very difficult. And, you know, this is where being a front office person and a general manager gets tricky, um, you know, because that move could look great or it could look bad. Like the, the Celtics trade for Kyrie Irving, which at the time was widely praised. It was like, you know, they gave up a guy who they didn't want to pay anyway and Isaiah Thomas and, you know, a, a decent role player in Jay Crowder and like this pick, which didn't turn out to be that good and all this other stuff, but like Kyrie Irving might leave. And, you know, sometimes the NBA isn't a process based. It's, it's about results. It's not necessarily about the processes, you know, Sixers fans would protest, but um, <laughs> you know, they got, they got Joel Embiid, which is really all that matters. And I think it's hilarious that, you know, the, there was a whole process and stuff and really all they needed was that one player. You know, everything like Ben Simmons is nice. Like the other players and assets they got are cool, but you know, ultimately it's just about getting that superstar. And that's, you know, what would push them to trade for Anthony Davis is, is to get that guy who makes you a playoffs, not just a playoff team, but a team that other teams fear in the playoffs. And as fun as this Clippers team was, I don't think any playoff team would have feared playing them. And for good reason, you know, as we talked about, like, you know, they should have won that Lakers game, that accursed Lakers game, um, and been a slightly higher seed. But would they have done any better? You know, probably not. So, yeah. Yeah. Do we have any other Twitter questions, Rob? Uh, we do not, at least not that I can see. Um, but my Twitter is is a mass of just other notifications. I retweeted this thing about, uh, this guy who said, uh, is this not the best picture in the history of pictures? And it's Keanu Reeves with Bobon. Um, <laughs> I, I haven't, I haven't seen any of those movies yet. I haven't seen them either. I, I just, I can't keep up with movies, you know, me neither. I feel, it feels very washed of me to say, and I'm just like, people are like talking about John Wick movies. I've seen none of them. I haven't seen like any of these MCU movies. I've none of it. So you know, I'm way behind on the times, but yeah, I don't, I don't think I really have, are there no other questions? I mean, is there anything else you want to touch on? 
Steve, is there anything you want to say to all your your loyal fans listening, all the readers, the Clips Nation, and all the Clipper fans that all the dozens of fans that listen to this podcast? <laughs> uh, you know, nah. Hi, everybody. Uh, good to talk to you again. Um, and you know, maybe I'll I will uh, talk to Rob a little bit about maybe writing something at some point in time. Oh, that would be that would be awesome. Um, I think everybody would love that. It would probably be the most trafficked post that we have. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Unless we get like Kawhi, in which case that would be, but yeah, that would be, that would be great. That that would drive a little traffic probably. Yeah. Yeah. We could just write one sentence on that post, Kawhi signs, and we'd have like a thousand comments probably. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. That's, that's how it works. (laughs) It's it's like, there could be, Steve could write a whole, you know, great in-depth, you know, analysis of something, whatever he wants to talk about. And then two days later, they sign Kawhi and that gets, you know, 50 times as much. And it's just, you know, it is. Yeah. What it is. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, anyways, I, I think that'll do it. Anything else, Steve? No, nope, we're good. I, I've enjoyed it, guys. Yeah, I think that'll do it for this episode of the Law of the Gem, the podcast. As always, thanks to Steve for coming by. This was a really, really fun episode to kind of reminisce. And, you know, Steve, uh, I wrote, for the first time when uh, when Steve was writing, was still in charge of everything. And that was really fun for him to give me the opportunity. I was actually in med school. I was actually in Poland when I started writing for Clips Nation and uh, with all the Marcin Gorsat fans over there. And uh, it, it was uh, it was a lot of fun starting to write. And I was fun doing this pod. And we all really we all miss your writing, Steve. And I hope I hope you do um, come back and write once in a while for us. because We love your your pieces. Uh, so yeah, thanks Steve for coming on and thanks everybody for listening for Rob, you know, as always, uh, I'm Shapon and thanks for listening for this episode of Law of the Gender Podcast. Leave us reviews on whatever you like to leave us reviews on and as always, go Clippers!